Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Okay, we seem to be going in a slight bit of order in the um, chapters, which is just even more confusing. Okay, so we've gone seven, eight, now we're on nine. Okay, you really This isn't what it looks like. Secret series by? Pseudonymous Bosch. Book number? Book four. Yeah. Page? You saw I went four. Book 201. Chapter nine. Oh no, the babies in the mayo being the story of a group. Of a green pea, a baby boy in a jar of mayonnaise. Oh, that's very interesting. This probably has to do with Max Ernest's new baby brother coming. What do you think? Oh. <laughs> or maybe he had like a weird dream. Okay. Of his little brother. <laughs> cool. Okay. From time to time, some of my more adoring fans. Okay, okay. Some of my more susp- suspicious readers ask me if it's really if it is really and truly true that I am almost, I almost drowned in a mayo jar, mayonnaise jar when I was a young child. I'm not certain in which of many, many major media interviews they happened to read this story. Okay, it was the interview that I conducted myself with myself at the end of my second book. And who better to conduct it, I ask you? But it is time I settled the question once and for all. The answer is yes, I did. Here is how it happened. The true origins of my mayophobia personal digression. Okay, honestly, I do not like mayonnaise either, and you don't either, huh, Pay? So nasty. Okay, it's hard to believe now there was once a time when truly pseudonymous Bosch was just a baby Bosch, an innocent infant who knew nothing of secrets, let alone the secret who never had heard of the Turkish society or the midnight sun, or who had not even tasted the first bite of chocolate. This uninformed child, this unfinished project, this unbaked loaf, this unsculpted clay, this unwritten novel, this baby was I. Do not think for a second that I am trying to gain sympathy, but I was not happy with this baby. Or I was not a happy baby. What with my parents always fighting over me? Oh, did I mention that the tragedy of my broken home and my insides always fighting themselves? Oh, did I mention the curse of my stomach? I spent so much time of my babyhood crying unconsolably that fights seemed to break out whenever I went, wherever I went. No, I'm not looking for your sympathy, but a crying baby has no friends. None. You try and listen to a crying baby for five or ten minutes, or twenty minutes, or for months and months as on in as I cried. You see... I don't want to throttle the poor little lamb. Not for the crying baby, the clucking and the cooing of Grandma Joe, the sneaking of the sweets by Grandpa Carl, the pinching of the cheeks by Aunt Martha, and best and at its best pitying glance and a shake of the head. You're lucky if nobody throws a shoe at you. No, really, honestly, I'm not looking for sympathy. Keep your tissues to yourself. Don't send me flowers or a consolation card. I have no use for your well-meaning words. Well, not now anyways. Back then I suppose I might have been it might have been nice for one person to smile at me. If a single solitary individual 
individual had taken just the slightest bit of interest in that red-faced baby boy with the yellow snot running down his nose and the heat rash on his toes. You see, had someone taken just a little itty bit of interest, he or she might have discovered that the little green pea hardened on my black hardened and blackened over time. Um, hardened, uh, lodged between the folds of my baby thigh, it had stuck to my skin somehow and caused caused a small persistent pain, an icky, itchy, scratchy, sc- sticky, scratchy, pushy, pulley feeling on my leg that never went away day or night. Aw, so he wasn't unhappy. He just was, something was hurting him. Wait, they co- what was stuck to him? What? What was stuck to his leg? A pee. It hurt. They called me the princess and the pea. Make fun of me all you like, but that pea bothered me. Oh my gosh, is this writer a girl? We just, I thought Pseudonymous Bosch was a boy. Same. Is Pseudonymous Bosch Cass? Oh my gosh, I'm going to freak out. Okay, they called me Princess and the Pea. Making... No, because her dad, remember? No, she's adopted, remember? Yeah, but this could be Cass writing the book. Yeah, but she said her parents always fighted. Her mom and dad. She's adopted. Mm, this is true. Good idea. Good, 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 good. They called me the princess and the pea. But make fun of me all you like. But the pea bothered me nearly a year. It was the reason I was crying. Or the main one. Who knows what I would have, what would happen if some kindly person would have thought to look in my thigh and remove that pea that got stuck there. Who knows what smiley, bouncy baby I would have become. All of the smiling and bouncing would have been re- bestowed upon me. Ah, well. Then I wouldn't, have be the, I wouldn't be the same person. Now would I? Our hard luck knocks, de- knocks, our hard luck knocks define us. Those peas in our thighs—they make us who we are. But I digress from my digression. Both of my parents worked; neither had time to take care of me, and yet, due to my incessant crying, they were unable to find a nanny who could stay who could stay more than a week. Some lasted less than an hour. One mem- memorably, quite after only a minute. But by the time my first birthday came around, there were no nannies or babysitters or even semi-responsible 10-year-olds left with a 100-mile radius who would put up with me. And so the unthinkable happened. My parents were forced to take me on a, along on a birthday dinner. Oh my gosh. They should have known better. While as usual, my parents spoke nary to each other. Me crying grew so loud at the restaurant that the waitresses begged my parents to take me in the kitchen, to, to let her take me in the kitchen. Naturally, I only cried louder when she gave me, took me away from my parents. The waitress tried giving me all kinds of sugary, salty, and otherwise unhealthy treats, but nothing would shut me up. Thinking maybe I needed a diaper change rather than... She rather roughly threw me hard on a cold, wet steel kitchen counter and lifted my tender legs. I wailed and wailed, but lo and behold, she found what no one had found before. The pee. By now, however, it had been there so long that it practically grew into my skin. It looked like some kind of a blackish, bluish, brownish, greenish wart. Something that you would more likely find on a witch's cheek rather than a baby's thigh. And gripped it, gripped on to me so hard that the waitress even wondered if it was sort of a parasite or a leech. Unable to remove it with her bare fingers, she, ser- re- she searched desperately for a lubricant, preferably industrial strength. Can you guess where this is going? 
the nearest item within reach, a vat of mayonnaise the size of a, of a smallish garbage can, just large enough for the words to hold a baby. In her defense, she sought to only dunk my lower body, but when my toes hit the cold mayonnaise, I started wiggling like a kneel. She simply couldn't hold me once I fell in. There was no way to pull me out with hands. I was too far, I was too far, far too slippery. I waved and waved and shook this way and that, but only succeeded in sinking in further. I coughed and sputtered and gasped for air, but sucking in mayonnaise, ew. It went up my nose and got into my eyes and filled my ears and under my nails. Soon I was entirely submerged in the chilly, slimy, smelly, gelatinous, high caloric, cholesterol-rising, bacteria-collecting, beluzum-inducing, absolutely disgusting and utterly gross white goo. Only In only seconds I would be no better than a tuna sandwich drowned in mayonnaise. Luckily, the sous chef happened to be working in in his famous Thousand Island salad dressing at the time, oh, working on his Thousand Island dressing at the time, and thanked the gods, or rather the green goddess, that he needed an extra cup of mayo. Just as he was about to, just as I was about to suffer the humiliating fate of a fish stick, he reached in and gripped me by the neck with his salad tongs. I wiggled, crying in the air, crying like a newborn. The sous chef de- deftly squeezed the pea between his thumbs and forefinger and twisted so hard the pea snapped off of my thigh, leaving a red raw circle about the size of a dime, just like twisting the end of a string bean off, the, the chef said. It hurt, of course, but the relief was immediate. I stopped crying and stared with fascination at the object that had caused me so much pain and distress, shrunken to the size of a peppercorn. It sat on the counter, taunting me with its very smallness. Perhaps I felt a desire to vanquish my empty, dramatic fashion, or more likely because it was there, I reached for the pea, and before anyone could stop me, I did what babies do. I swallowed it. That's when the crying started again. Not because the pea bothered my stomach, but because, free from other distractions, I noticed it was still covered in that slimy white substance that I nearly drowned in. Sensing my discomfort, the sous chef had wiped it off, then had wiped it off, then had handed me over to the grateful waitress and went back to work. Now, I don't want to brag, but everybody compiled, every, everybody comp- complimented him on his salad dressing that evening. It seems that I added a certain pipicant je ne quoi to the flavor, not to mention a certain yellow to the color. Ew, he peed in it. That only babies can provide. Yee. Ever since then, I felt a warm affinity to sous chefs and a morbid fear of mayonnaise. Okay, that, that honestly, weirdest chapter. What do you think? <laughs> okay. All right, moving on.